Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Litsia, recorded in August 2023. Her son describes her work as playing a game of Monopoly, of buying and selling hotels. All right, we're now recording. Hello, everyone. Noreen here. Today, I'm with Lucia. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So lovely to see you again. Yes, I'm very happy we're getting to do this round two. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um. After 20 years uh, in hospitality, investment, real estate, operations, finance, um, I'm currently Chief Investment Officer and Head of Asset Management for a company based in Sydney, where we look after properties from asset management perspective, investment perspective, we setting up an investment fund, uh, and we really just representing global private equity, uh, global private equity here in Australia in respect of investments in hotels. Um, I've worked with fabulous people. I'm going to sound like I'm selling myself, but I'm feeling myself very lucky from a professional perspective. I work with absolutely fantastic team of people who are extremely supportive. Um, my son, when he describes my role, and he's eight, talks about mommy working as a in a monopoly game where we buy and sell hotels. So, yes, yeah, so... I'm kind of a monopoly player. That's a very high level summary of what I do. I love it. I think your tagline is going to be monopoly player. Pretty much. I think I'll take the Eiffel Tower or the Sydney Bridge. There we go. Um, so let's start with why you came into hospitality or how you came into hospitality in the first place. Uh, so hospitality just came about by a complete chance so while I was studying at university I worked in a hotel um, where I started in FMB I progressed into a finance uh, while so worked as a kind of quasi financial controller while I was still studying and then when the time came at the completion of my university degree and I had to make a choice between taking on a corporate career role versus staying with the hotels I've opted for a year of staying on with hotels and uh, enjoying this wonderful social life with friends before I take on the career job and that year turned into 10 years <laughs> uh, and during those 10 years I spent I think I, I worked in 90 different hotels my last all around Australia my last role was as director of finance where I opened a five-star hotel in Melbourne and there was a general manager of that property. And at the end of the year 10, I left operations and went into investment. And I spent last, gosh, 13 years in a world of investment and asset management. And I never looked back as I found my calling that's really important to to find that calling, isn't it? Like, I, and I think that's also the beauty of hospitality is that you can start in one place, but then 
you can try so many different things to then to try out and figure out exactly where you're going to end up. Um, you know, I thought I was going to do F&B all my life. And then I found revenue management and data and then ended up in STR. And, and now I'm on another phase trying to figure out where this next career path is going to take me. But it's really, it's really great the diversity that you can get. And I think that's also what I'm trying to demonstrate with all these women I'm interviewing on the podcast is the variety of careers that we can all have and, you know, where it can take you. Um, so my first question is, what was it about, you know, you, you there was the plan was a year, but obviously you liked it enough. So what was it about working in hotels that you enjoyed? Uh, the plan was a year. Look, it was a convenient plan. Uh, the hotel where I continued working at was where I lived in a set suburb. And it was a convenient and we were, it was really great high performing team. We're the best property in a region. There was this really healthy competition, really great leadership. I had the most fabulous, most supportive, my Derek boss, as well as the general manager was greatly supportive. And I was just surrounded with, with friends, you know, working friends and we had a great social life afterwards. And then the reason why I stayed on, I was always challenged to do something else. So even though I was, promoted but I was pushed to do different things and I learned along the way I had a short stint in a corporate office um I was always covering uh, vacancies in different hotels so in between general uh financial controls I would be covering vacancies so I always had the variety every time it was a new system to be trained I would put my hand up to 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 be the the alpha test hotel so I just had all these variety and I put my mind to being the director of finance at the five-star hotel which uh, was being pre-opened which I completed and that's where I wanted to get in a certain period of time I got it then I tried to put my foot into the GM role and that the GM piece there was that was the end that was when I realized that the operations will not last with me forever <laughs> and I need another challenge and again I was lucky enough to get the challenge and then tell us about how you found that next opportunity uh, the challenge uh, with investment um look when something good happens usually there's a great amount of luck needed <laughs> so I was uh, a very fortunate that my last property where where I worked in operations, that the asset manager uh, and I had a great relationship and we just talk about career and moving forward. Uh, and I he's asking what my next role would be. And that's when I expressed my desire to probably leave the operations and go into the world of asset management investment. And very short months, three months later, there was a role which was offered to me to be applied for. I've applied for, and then um, I was given a chance. Uh, I know I was the only female who applied for this role. It was a role of a portfolio manager for a $600 million fund. So I went from an operation role to an investment role, which was of substance. And um, I know people who were applying for the role were, were probably much more experienced in the real estate investments and they were much more seasonal 
and I was just fortunate to to get the role and somebody who believed in me being able to deliver on you know what I did not know at that point in time and that person was an amazing tutor an amazing teacher and a great mentor and I'm also very fortunate that 12 months later we're now working together again and so so yeah it's definitely a huge amount of luck but also uh I don't know the planets were aligned yeah and I also think it's you know that you had that conversation you were able to express that you know what you wanted in your career I think sometimes and this goes back to some of the research that I've and reading I've been doing is that women tend not to express what they want or what they're looking for in their career and their development we do need to spend a little bit of time thinking about it and putting some effort into it to say and talking to people to say okay this is the direction that I want to go because if you don't express it no one will know where it is that you're going 100%. for no, 100%. I, I do mentor quite a few people these days. And one of the things I try to get across to them, and they're a couple decades younger than me, so it's, it's a generational gap, that they do have to communicate with their direct managers all the time if they want to work on something. And then if they want to be given an opportunity to improve themselves. So everyone I speak to, they tend to say, I'm not a really good public speaker. How do I get, you know, how do I get better? Um, so the best way to start is where, you know, your day-to-day, -day, your internal meetings, teams, your, you know, present internally and ask your manager, just give you the chance to present internally, which, which they do. And then, they tend to stay stay back a little bit and wait for those opportunities again to be given to them. But I just keep telling you, you need to drive it now. So next meeting, you're just gonna, you're not gonna wait to be invited to speak, but just suggest to the manager, may I please speak on this particular topic I'm an expert on? And that person will definitely be given the chance of speaking. Yeah. So it's really about driving the initiative after expressing the willingness, also just really working your way all the way through on delivery because it is it is work it is constant work to get what you want yeah it, it's the doing right like if, if public speaking or whatever it is that you're afraid of you're not so sure the only way to overcome it is to keep doing it oh it's keep just doing it. do it but do it all the time and just it's the discomfort which yeah. makes you better it's really it's not nice, but being this like uncomfortable changes the perception and the subconscious and things get so much better once you get through the discomfort. And there was also something that you mentioned earlier that you always put your hand up for those projects uh, for the next uh, whatever was coming up, you know, whether it was implementing a new system. And that's something that I did as well, you know, when I was developing my career, it's like, I'd always get involved in different things, even though I didn't need to be involved in there, because that was the only way I could what expand my knowledge, but also build my profile internally, right? Because when you have to network internally and externally almost as much, mm -hmm. right, to make sure that you're getting noticed, to make sure that you are then available for that next promotion or for the next opportunity, you're the one who has to, yeah, like you said, really drive it. A hundred percent, and they are very incredibly smart people or people who are trained so well but it's just 
the opportunities don't lie in your lap. You do have to show your willingness to learn, willingness to go through changes, you know, accept challenges, push yourself. And as you said, it's internally and externally. It work both ways. And it it worked for me. But the reason why I was putting my hand up, I, I'm one of those people who like to be challenged all the time. And I'm still even currently taking courses and educating myself. Finding a time is always a challenge, but it's it's one of the things I enjoy doing. So it's really just a constant involvement of the skill set. Um, the things I'm not going to say people make fun of me, but I like quirky things like insurance. I like, um, you know, negotiating energy contracts. There are things people do not enjoy or just roll their eyes. They're amazing savings from hotel investments to understand those things and being good at tweaking them or reading contracts. You know, I, uh, I do like to know what the the consultants know because it's just improved my skill set and improved my understanding of what I do from day to day. So, yes, I, I encourage everyone to ask questions and learn continuously. And I think that's also why, you know, we're, we're all different. We're all meant to be doing different things in our lives and our careers. We're not all meant to love the, the insurance negotiations and contracts as everybody else likes it. <laughs> and so we each have a role to play. <laughs> I love a good insurance discussion. <laughs> um, Every time I say it, people are so happy because then I end up with 20 new tasks on my table. <laughs> I get great outcomes. I love it. Fantastic. Um, so going back to your career journey, you've now entered um, investment. Um, how was the next, what was it 13 years? Um, what did that look like? Uh, look, I'll just be very honest. The first three months, I... I I have given myself three months and speaking to people, I, I did have concerns to go from operations to investments um, because, you know, it, it is very different um, viewpoint. You're going from representing on a hotel management company, which has thousands of hotels into representing ownership interest. And there is, there is not alignment there is quite significant disalignment so just a transitioning in mind and it's you know it's a very different language and you look at the different ways of analyzing returns um so the first two months i remember to this day i was not really questioning myself but i i was putting in the hours to really get on top I remember I got this wonderful Excel model which contained all the IP for a $600 million investment going back five years from inception, which I had to update. And uh, th there's quite a few moving parts to investments from debt treasury operations, et cetera. And my biggest challenge was to just conquer those updates. And after third month I and then the reinvestment board reporter etc uh, after third months I kind of sat back and I was like I got it finally and but the first three months were 
very hard work. And, you know, from that point onwards, it was smooth sailing. But um, that was kind of the pivot point where I could see myself, I'm either going to swim or I'm going to go the other way. And uh, I luckily kept swimming. So, and the journey from there, look, it was great within, I think, four months, I was given another fund to manage. So six months in, there was about a billion dollars under funds management, which I had. And um, I worked for a listed company and these funds were two unlisted funds, wholesale. And then I went to work for a Singaporean company where we listed on Singaporean stock exchange. So there was another skill set from an international global and then Singapore uh, ownership entities because it was owned by Singapore governmental entity. Uh, and then transitioning into a local company where, which was also listed in Asia, but it ran more as a private company and it provided me with a completely different perspective on operations and, and asset management and now coming to where I am now. So look, after those 13 years, uh, when a hotel comes to a market in Australia, I probably looked at it already twice. Uh, I kind of differentiate streets by which hotel, how many keys. Uh, it's, it's definitely something which I enjoy, but I can see the cyclicality of mm. hotel investments. And so, you know, you've obviously done 13 years of it. What is it about the investment side of things, like looking at it from the owner's perspective, if you reflect back to what it was like from, from an operation perspective, what is it that you've enjoyed about working um, on this side of the industry? You definitely, yeah, you definitely adding adding values and adding values in millions of dollars. So, and what I enjoyed the most, and it's, I, I really like to take the knowledge which owner have and the viewpoint which investors are looking at an asset as an investment and giving this knowledge to the general manager and the financial controller. There needs to be 100% alignment in view so they don't understand that when we ask questions or just trying to you know, channel the conversation for the outcome to be different. The reason why we're doing it is improve the ultimate value of the investment. Uh, we don't tend to be, you know, against capex, or we don't tend to be difficult or any any other way. Or we what we're trying to is hundred percent improve the value for a long term, a medium to long term. So implementing value added investments, I find as mentioned, mentions really important that the people on the ground understand our motivation and then when they have to make their day-to-day -day decisions, they know what the decision, the, the right decision should be. Um, and I think being on the operational side, I can relate to their viewpoint and can kind of speak their language when it comes to explaining why we're doing things this way. And what I find actually very refreshing that usually these messages are so well received, especially by the financial controllers they they understand where we're trying to get to why we're doing things um when we just provide some asset management ideas on how to improve revenue or expenses and just looking at things differently they don't tend to push back 
they tend to embrace the challenge and go and analyze those questions. Um, what operations do, operations just tend to, you know, the, the survive the day, if I can yeah. say that. They just they just leave from weekly forecast to monthly end of month closure to annual budget and reforecasting in between. Because I don't sit in operations. I I have I've, I've been blessed by the objectivity of just looking at it from a different angle. So every time I review a PL or a budget or forecast, and because we also have an oversight of what's happening in a region or a macro level, we kind of really just feed this very targeted information to the hotels. So it's it's really a lovely partnership which we tend to create with with the operators. And I think it's because I understand the operations and know how to angle it. So feel like it's a really good combo yeah that sounds yeah you've really been able to utilize your previous experience but then also what you've obviously taken from the last from the second half of your career to to bridge the gap right to bring that communication in to be able to provide the context and to be able to speak in each other's languages (laughs) exactly and those languages are really different and there's they're quite different and the motivations are different. So it's about really breaching it. Yeah. And once you explain, you know, it's it's the basics of negotiations. Once you explain your position, the other person can just react to it in a positive way. And mm-hmm. it, there is no clash. And if there is a clash, you know, there is open conversations. Mm-hmm. So we are not always right, but it's really good to start a conversations and where things should be or where things should go. And since we are talking about, you know, women in hospitality, uh, what has your experience been like in terms of um, gender, exposure to gender um, throughout your career? Um, Yeah, more or less, (laughs) tell us a little bit more. Uh, you and I, we had these conversations when we were, when you were in Sydney and, um, we had this lovely female meeting in, in Ovalo, one of the properties. Um, and we talked about it a little bit just before, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, look, I personally have been really fortunate, uh, with my gender being present. I've never, I've never come across of any negativity in any way, shape or form. I was always provided with the opportunity to speak up, be invited to the decision table. Uh, I know that probably not all females have the same experience, but I, I have been, I have never received any negativity. Um, I think in Australia, we are so much more inclusive mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the point we spoke about. Yes. Uh, I'm really surprised the other countries where you had your meetings in, um, they were not as exclusive, uh, inclusive as we are. Um, but it's not just females, it's probably just diversity across all every factor. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of females in investments, I think there is more and more females in hotel investments. In hotel hospitality operations, there are so many females and there are great up and coming, you know, financial controls, general managers, we are coming across all the time. Um, so look, we, we're very fortunate locally mm-hmm. that females are really well represented. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I've been lucky enough to have been traveling to so many places over the last year and be able to host these roundtables like the one that we did in Sydney at the Ovalo. I was just so amazed by the differences that I saw in different parts of the world. You know, like I would almost say Singapore and Switzerland are almost similar in the sense that in Singapore, we were really struggling to find female general managers. And in, in Switzerland, you know, women were struggling with like being able to manage their career. Plus, if you have a family and, you know, how the society is set up. So it's less about, say, the industry or the organization. Sometimes it's, you know, outside influences as well that has those restrictions. Um, but I was really amazed by my visit to, to Australia and just to see how mixed and diverse it already is and how many women already you know, had come into senior leadership positions and the support that they felt that they had throughout their career. And coming back to you, what kind of support did you have um, as you were developing your career? I mean, it sounded like you had some managers earlier on who really pushed you to take on that next challenge and you had a great mentor at the start when you came into investment. Uh, how did they help you um, along your career? Look, a great question, and I and I do have to say that the the direct managers they were all males. Okay. <laughs> so uh, there's not a single female direct manager, but they're all. I'm not going to say all of them, but the key ones were just really supportive, really amazing. Um, I have my top three, which I'm not going to mention, but they were just the, the most amazing role models. And they were the ones who, who pushed me to take the next steps. Um, and and look, maybe without the additional push, I would just not be in that state of mind to mm. keep taking on additional challenges. Um, but really people do have to be fortunate in terms of having the right leader mentor supporter uh they're when they say people leave their jobs and it's not because of the role it's the it's the superior it tends to be true yeah um i i have not had to do it too many times uh Every time I've done it because probably there was a different opportunity waiting around a corner and it was a really hard decision for me to leave my previous roles. Uh, but, you know, it, it really is the, the, the leadership and the mentorship is very critical. So if any male, female manager is listening, if you want to keep good stuff, just be very kind to, to your underlings and support them as much as you can. Yeah, I, I, I've got a fair few of women and men listening to the podcast, so I they will be hearing what you're saying. And I would agree from all the interviews I've been doing, it's been a real mix. They're either really fortunate to have really good direct managers who've been male or female, who've been really supportive and really get them onto their next stage or the next career. And then the other, other side where they just haven't had it and they've had really bad experiences one after another. So that's all, probably the part that you have almost absolutely no control over as to who is going to be your direct manager and then how you come out of it at the other end. So I think the more that we can do is learn from one another, support one another in any capacity that we can so that we can continue to grow and develop our careers, if that is, of course, what we want to do. Um, so it's important no, also 100%. knowing. Look, I would say probably two things. So if 
if the culture of the company is led by the the manager and the manager is representing the culture and the culture is not good and, and the support is not coming, I would I would run. <laughs> I would not walk. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably just run because it's look probably just you know, life is too short. Mm. I definitely do not suggest for people to jump. I have had such a long stint in my career. I'm like in nine years and seven years. I have a very long period of time. Uh, but in between, you know, I do get so many exposures and challenges to different things. Uh, but, you know, it it always starts from the top. So if, you, if the middle link is broken, you can deal with it. But if the top, is broken and you just can't skate down that's um i i would be one of those people who would be just looking for another home sooner than later yes i would definitely agree with that because if it starts at the top good or not good and i've experienced both it definitely filters down the rest of the yeah. way all right um i am going to move on to my final question and ask you who inspires you uh, look, it's really hard, uh, but because I I get lots of influences from where I work, um, and as mentioned, um, the people I'm surrounded currently are greatly motivational and very inspiring. Uh, but I generally get really inspired by a female who I, I'm a mother. I have two children, and I have a career, and I travel a lot. So uh, it's I understand the complexities of trying to managing it all I'm not saying keeping it all together because <laughs> it does not ever work perfectly uh but any female who has got through the kind of same challenges and managed to keep very strong professional focus in career and whilst had a family so one of the examples would be the ceo of macquarie bank whose name I always struggle pronouncing, <laughs> Shamara, and I'm not going to go for the surname. Uh, and the other example would be um, Gail Kelly is another female. She had more children than me, but she was the Westpac CEO, Westpac Bank in Australia. So any, any female who had a very strong leadership career um, and managed to have a family and being involved in the family life is definitely my superhero. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, I think this was something that we were reflecting on just before we started this recording is that my experience from this travels was in Australia, there were a lot more women across different industries already in senior leadership positions, including hospitality, which was really, really really nice to see so that's definitely one of my highlights and takeaways from my trip and I'm thank so you glad so you much. enjoyed it and thank you so much for sharing your story with us today my pleasure have a lovely day thank you thank you so much for listening i hope you were as inspired as i was by that story please follow us here and on linkedin where i post videos of the recordings Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality.